Hey there, welcome to SaaS Bound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is a show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today with me is Anton Minou. Very good to see you here. A product designer, founder with two exits, right? Building Fernand. I'm going to use my best <laughs> French accent. Uh, the customer support tool for Morden SaaS and also Improve MX, a tool for better email forwarding, um, which has been around for 10 years, right? You're also a principal product designer at Yelp, recently a father. I mean, have you acquired a time turner? Like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. uh, first, thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, that's the question I get often. Like, wait, how do you get the time? Right. Where do you find the time to do all of this? And I think the answer is there is not a real way to solve it, right? Like you, 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 you've joked about a time turner. Uh, that would be the ideal solution. Yeah. Like I say. Often to my co-founder, oh, I wish this day would have 48 hours yeah. <laughs> instead of 24. Um, I think, though, I became at peace with this, with just being, um, agreeing that we are slower. Mm. It's fine, you know. Um, and then a lot of different things that I put um, on my work structure, on myself, routines and stuff to make it as um, easy or manageable as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, should I go into this? <laughs> sure, <laughs> we'll get there. Um, yeah, so I'm a principal product designer yeah. at Yelp um, by day, let's say. Yeah. Um, and I run those two other products um, by night. Um, the thing that allows me to do this the most is that I only have a four-day work week okay. at Yelp. So I'm, more, I'm working Monday to Thursday and Fridays off. So I can dedicate the whole day on Fridays uh, to to my companies, mm-hmm. um, which is not a lot, right? Like, right, still. Can you do that <laughs> on Monday? But it has the amazing advantage to make me focus like crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't have the time to be like, oh, uh, you know, polishing every detail on, on Figma, for example. I design everything directly in the browser mm-hmm. or, or most of it. Um, we don't spend month thinking about strategy. We just build things, iterate quickly, see if it sticks or not, um, make it better or kill it, etc. So having just this one focus day per week really pushed me in like being a, a maniac at like right. um, making decisions quickly. Okay. Well, it, you've been doing it for 10 years. Maybe <laughs> you've perfected the, uh, the process a little bit, but... Um, Still, you know, you have your own two businesses now, uh, right? And um, you're working for Yelp. Completely different setup as as far as I would assume. So does it help coming from such a big company? Uh, or I guess it started a little bit later, right? You, you first got Improv uh, MX and then you went to Yelp. But still, like how... How does it help or maybe challenge what you're doing? Yeah, that's that's really cool. I mean, I love the scale mm-hmm. of a company like Yelp. I find it fascinating. I'm learning a ton. It's like going to a free university for mm-hmm. me or uh, I've dropped out of university. I never okay. got this chance to um, experience something else than what I've built for myself, which was 
building small bootstrap SaaS companies and uh, freelance, so contracting as mm -hmm. a product designer for mostly e-commerce brands and um, yeah, SaaS, SaaS companies and um, also Yelp itself. So I was contracting for Yelp. That's how I, it eventually transformed okay. <laughs> into uh, a full-time or I mean part-time job. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yes, what I really love is that at Yelp, I'm able to work with incredibly talented people. Whereas, you know, bootstrapping assess is a bit lonely. So I have my co-founder and it's great. We're working more than 15 years together. We know each other like incredibly well. I know what will fly and what will not. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to like, um, yeah, I think communicate exactly what is needed. So again, a way not to lose time and go directly to right. the biggest value. But sometimes, yeah, it gets a bit lonely. You, you're in your own bubble. And at Yelp, I'm able to work alongside people that, you know, also speaking about university and more formal training attended Stanford, Harvard, mm. uh, Berkeley, whatever. And in the SaaS or bootstrap world, you might be like, yeah, university is useless. Like, we don't care. <laughs> But believe me, those people are the smartest people <laughs> right. ever. It's super nice. And um, yeah, I'm learning a lot from, from them and also like enjoying the network effect of this. So I have a lot of um, ex-colleagues that, that left Yelp now, mm -hmm. but no work at Meta or Google or uh, I don't know any of those major companies. And I'm able to kind of use this. So just to give you a story around this uh, for ImproveMix. So ImproveMix is a Email forwarding company, we have a very powerful API mm -hmm. to do like very advanced email forwarding, basically. It's really useful for um, bootstrappers that have a ton of domains and they yeah. don't want to monitor like hundreds of inboxes. Um, so what you can do is just route all of these emails for your vanity domains onto your main inbox. Mm -hmm. But we also have a lot of like universities um providing aliases to their alumni or um, things like churches etc cetera, etc cetera. um and once we had a big de deliverability issue with gmail mm -hmm. and gmail is like 70 or 80 percent of our redirection inboxes right makes sense it's huge yeah if anything goes wrong with gmail we are toast it's really really bad And at this point, we were getting uh, somehow flagged by their um, anti-abuse system because something went wrong and et cetera. I won't get mm -hmm. into the details, but like basically Gmail was refusing any email coming from Improvemix. Oh, wow. It's like the disaster scenario. Sure. Um, and so the problem with Gmail is that it's kind of a black box. There is no support team. Yeah. There is no, like they make it super, super hard. Um, to do anything with them. I think just because it's really unmanageable, they have like billion of, yeah. of users. And also because they might not really care. <laughs> <laughs> so after much hunting, I found like one form for Postmasters that you can kind of submit something and plead your case and explain, please, please, we are good people. We didn't mean to, like, this is what happened and stuff like this. Please unban us, basically, because we are legit. <laughs> and then when you submit the form, it says something like, we will not reply. Okay. You might, uh, like someone will look at this within a week. 
<laughs> but you will never receive a reply. We will not tell you what happened if we and if we've done anything. So, you know, when you are like firefighting an incident like this, mm -hmm. basically your customers are like, I'm not getting my emails. That's yeah. super critical. And, and the only answer from that other provider, like they are the only one that can fix it is, yeah, maybe <laughs> we'll see, <laughs> maybe in a week. Maybe yes, maybe not, right? Uh, yeah. And so coming back to the initial question, um, like that network that I have from my ex-colleagues at Yelp um, helped me a lot because... I just went on LinkedIn and looked at everyone I know that worked at Google and reached out and like, hey, it's Antoine, how are you? <laughs> uh, can you help me with, uh, with this? I have this problem and maybe you can like not really solve it yourself because Google is gigantic, but maybe you can look in the wiki, like some kind of escalation procedure yeah, or just ping someone, like that would be great. And it, it helped, like I was able to get it fixed. If I would be bootstrapping, not have this, I would never have the chance to build such a network of like talented, um, right. high achievers. Makes so, sense. A bit of a oh, it story. happened to me once. We were, um, we have been blocked on on Facebook. Like I don't know, every other hour, and then I would go and unblock us. And like, it, and the communication is also horrible. I don't know if you've been there. It's just like, talk to a bot. Um, so you never understand what's happening there. Mm. And I did absolutely the same. I went on to my student network that, you know, was still kind of live uh, after I left the university. I didn't drop out. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, I reached out to a person that worked uh, on Facebook and she actually had to put like an internal ticket to like help this person, which was absolutely wild because like, again, it's a huge company, right? And if you have to go through, like, if you jump so many hoops for this one little ticket, you know, if, if something like really bad happens and you don't have the network, ouch. Mm. And it probably, I don't know, uh, if you do that, if you use it in any uh, capacity, but probably when, when you're building something and you have an idea that you need to validate, you can probably go to so many people that are so good exactly. at their jobs and, yeah. you know, they can point out like what went wrong or... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. But Improvimax is not your first business too. You were, I, uh, been doing my research and I realized that, you know, you've been a bit closer to like what SaaS Group is doing, um, than I realized at first because your, I want to say first, I'm not sure, uh, business was transfer slot, which is a lot like what acquire.com is doing right now. Mm -hmm. So how did you get there? Because like, what you're doing now is such a dramatic change, right? There, there was a marketplace to sell businesses, um, and now it's it's a very technical product. So how did you start with that? Yeah, so it was not our first product. Actually, there were so many first products okay. that we never actually launched. Mm -hmm. It's a big failure on our part, I guess, because some of those things that we've uh, put like hundreds of thousands of hours in We've had the typical founder um, feeling of like, it's not good enough. Mm. It's not good enough. Look at the competition, et cetera. And mind you, this was like 15 plus years ago. Uh, we were really, really new to this. And like the internet seemed gigantic and like impossible to conquer in a way. Right. Or like impossible to make a small debt. Back then already, yeah. Exactly. At some point. We wanted to build a status page business. So it's a status, like it gives you a status page to 
give maintenance uh, notice to your customers or tell them whenever something is not working, okay. right? Like my yeah. story from the incident yeah, with Gmail yeah. earlier. And with this, I was like, okay, how do we get customers for this? And I thought, well, I could just send some emails like outbound. And it was not really a thing yet um, mm -hmm. called emailing. So I was like, how do I find these people email address? I think it's kind of always the same, right? Like, I guess you're Anna at uh, Sasa Group. group. <laughs> yeah. It's not an insane thing to find out, right? So yeah. it's either this or first name dot last name or yeah. first letter of the name dot last name, etc. So at this point, I asked my co-founder Cyril, um, hey, how long would it take to build like a small tool that would just do these 20 permutations mm -hmm. and return the actual email that is valid? So you can do things technically uh, where you connect to the email server and yeah. you like do a few comments, almost like if you would send an email to that person, but you stop at the data command where you actually trigger okay. that email. And so there are some complications, etc. but this is how it used to work at least 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and we were able to do this. And Cyril answered like, like two <laughs> hours. <laughs> I can do this in two hours. <laughs> like, okay, let's just do it. Um, and at the time, we had the idea to brand it a bit like a, a butler. Mm -hmm. Like you send it to your butler and he will find this person for you. And it was called Norbert. The okay. domain was voilanorbert.com. And so it ended up to be a big success. We got featured on uh, Lifehacker, uh, which was big at the time, Hacker News, Product Hunt, etc. It was really big. And we got a ton of traffic. We were like, oh, good. Maybe we should monetize. <laughs> Best two hours of our lives. <laughs> exactly. Like just for the story. Um, so I, my co-founder is a back-end um, mm -hmm. developer, works on infra and all of that stuff. And I'm doing design and front-end. And just for the fun story, I never really finalized the front-end. So the list of emails that was returned mm -hmm. was just the unstyled list that you get like out of the bat from HTML. Okay. And we're like... Okay, I will finish it someday. <laughs> and works. then someone picks it up from somewhere. Maybe we posted it in a comment. And people start writing all these articles about it and take screenshots of this and like record YouTube videos. Here's your, you can find uh, emails and stuff. And it has this mistake and no one really cares. Yeah. So it's like, oh, that's really funny. It means <laughs> this thing is pretty much useful as is. And so, of course... Uh, we invested in making it better. Mm -hmm. Long story short, we ended up growing it to, I think, something like 150K annual recurring revenue, ARR. And then we decided that we wanted to exit it mm -hmm. just for the reason that, you know, we started seeing all of this abuse from like crazy marketers that just want to send very spammy things to 100,000, 100,000 yeah. or a million of people. And we're like, oh, this is not the internet we really like. Mm -hmm. So we have built something that had um, a different mindset in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was just me trying to find the email address of someone that I could have found uh, if I would have researched a bit more. Yeah. And I was trying to be a good player where like my cold emails would have been 
not a drip campaign of 10 emails mm -hmm. and like harassing you and you know yeah. like i'm sure you've received It some of this still happens It's super horrible. annoying <laughs> um but our customers were the person doing this and we were not really at peace with this mm -hmm. and so we've decided okay do we shut it down <laughs> that's really hard when you have something that makes right. money or we we at least exit it and focus our time on on something else not not trying to make this better and like you know mm -hmm. and so we've sold it to rem ventures from surjan patel and bob sinov okay um they own a suite of other email products like mailshake right inbox mm -hmm. and some others And so this fit right in. Basically, it was top of the funnel for them. Yeah. Uh, because it was freemium, it also had a ton of traffic. So I guess they could monetize it extra as well. It was a really good fit. They were great buyers. Um, I think they still own it now. Mm -hmm. um, pretty sure they grew it really, really well. Um, but this whole acquisition story was a bit... Uh, it was really right? hard. Yeah. So we've used the broker, FE International. They were great, but it's still a ton of work. It is and a ton of work. Sometimes it felt like it should be way simpler. Like, I don't know if you've opened a bank account or something and you felt like, come on, like, I filled this information for the third time. Mm -hmm. Why? Don't they have like a database with everything? Yeah. Um, So sometimes it felt a bit like this and, you know, talking to lawyers and like filling documents and signing stuff and like countersigning stuff. And and we thought, okay, maybe that makes sense for a business that is a bit bigger, like we started to be. Mm -hmm. But um, what about all those smaller things, the, the tools that make like 500 bucks a month or, you know, something like this? Maybe there is a market for those And you don't need to go through a broker. Actually, if you would ask F International about this, I would. I think they would be like, "Oh, sorry, we don't." Really. <laughs> yeah, we didn't do this. Exactly. <laughs> like there is a minimum, right? Because yeah. they are they are working for you. They are um, building a prospectus, etc. Going for yeah. buyers, and so we were like, "Hmm, maybe now that we've exited and we have nothing on our hand, we have no more product." I was doing a bit of contract of product design contracting on the side, but I thought we should launch our next thing. Mm. And what if it's this? And so that's when I believe we saw transfer slot on Product Hunt. And we're okay. like, oh, that's exactly what we should launch. And um, I think at this point, Cyril reached out to the person that uh, launched it. And I'm like, oh, I see that you haven't updated it in like a few months. Is this still a thing? Like, is this still alive? And that person was like, oh, no, It was harder than I thought. Like, um, if you want, I can just give it to you for free. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, okay. okay. That's cool. Let's just take it over. And we got the domain transferred, redesigned the whole thing, and relaunched it. And so we suddenly became like company brokers. Yeah. Which was fun at the beginning. Less fun in the, <laughs> in the long term. Because we realized that our mode Mm -hmm. with Cyril and I, is tech. Like we can be yeah. really, really good tech. Um, and this marketplace was something that you anyone really could build technically, right? Like it could be a WordPress yes. site. It could right. be with Webflow and, I don't know, Framer. You can do that very easily. It's just a static site with product listings. Mm -hmm. um, 
we realized that no, this is not the thing we should build. And also it started to be like, if we want to grow, we have to pr um, provide more like services, uh, due diligence right. for buyers, yeah. et cetera. And so funny enough, we got a message from FE International, the broker that sold uh, Voila Norbert mm -hmm. for us. Um, Ismail Rickson, the founder, was just telling me, hey, do you have a minute? Like, I'd love to talk about this thing. <laughs> and he offered to buy us. And I think we did a very, very quick deal. Mind you, it was just, I don't know, 15K uh, ARR or something. You we got it selling. for free still. <laughs> we got it for free. And so deal. we were selling um, veto rights for buyers. Okay. So you could go in like a premium queue and you'd mm -hmm. get the, you'd get the listings posted on your inbox a day before they go live. Oh. And if you wanted, you could press a button and it would veto that product for you and would not go live for, I believe, a week for as long as you like um, talk with that person, like uh, decide if it's a thing that you want to acquire. Oh, interesting. Exactly. I, would, I would imagine it did create a few problems for, for those who were selling too, because... No, I think they didn't really mind because it was nope. not too long. It was just like your listing is going live a bit later, but they yeah. still had someone that was interested in buying, so they were happy. Um, and I think we were selling this for like $100 a month. So mm, okay. big, but also very small compared to the value that the people could be getting, True. you know. Um, well, anyway, so like, again, long story short, it was not the right fit for us because mm. the thing we could bring more into the market is our technical expertise and build things that a lot of other people cannot build as well. Right. Um, so this is why we've sold it as well. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Okay, but that, you know, I, I like that it kind of grew out of your own problem, right? You didn't really enjoy the acquisition. I mean, uh, few people really do. That's why <laughs> that's what yeah. we're fighting uh, for at SaaS Group to, to like really streamline the process and make it as transparent and hustle-free as possible. Uh, but yeah, then... Um, then there was a, a little bit of a break, right? Before you stumbled upon Improve MX. Uh, but also you, uh, yeah, you didn't build it from scratch. You you acquired it as well. So again, kind of a, a mindset that we really like, right? Why, why build everything if you can just acquire, like, at the beginning, a good product, which didn't go anywhere for whatever reasons. So how did you find it? How did you buy it? How did it go for you? acquiring a product, so being on the other side. Yeah. So we were using ImprovMX ourselves 
for a, a few years. And with TransferSlot, we were a bit in the mindset of like, oh, if we build this marketplace, we could also be this kind of premium buyer. Mm-hmm. You know, we got some cash uh, from the the sale of, of Norbert. And so we had um, the financial resources to acquire something small mm-hmm. and then grow it. So it was a bit tempting and we were kind of looking around, um, sending a few emails to the things that we liked, looking into the FE International listings as well. I believe micro acquire or no acquire.com was not really a thing yet um yeah so anyway we're looking at flipa and all of those like more um, regular ones yeah um but we could never really find something and i believe it's because when someone is trying to actively sell mm-hmm. and it's really small usually it's just not great the quality is not there like it's not worth much and Mm-hmm. It was really hard to to find something that was a match for us as well. Yeah, what was the, what was the question again? <laughs> I, I got lost in the. That's track. okay. Uh, uh, so uh, yeah, how did you? Yeah, yeah, how did you decide to buy it? And <laughs> exactly. yeah, what was your experience with buying it? Because like, I feel like every time there is like a deal is being dragged or founders talk about having not such a good experience, everything is kind of blamed on a buyer. Mm-hmm. So like they stall or like the diligence is not going really well or they are not serious at the end. But um, I know like from our experiences that, it, well, there are two parties in this uh, in this game, right? Yeah. So it's a lot about the seller as well. So, yeah, how did you feel? Yeah. How was your seller and how was you <laughs> as a buyer? <laughs> so eventually we were like, what are the services that we love and that we use? Because we, if we use it, probably a ton of people are using it too because we found it somewhere, etc. Um, so at the time, Improvimic was just one landing page with two input fields where okay. like, you could put your domain name and mm-hmm. the redirection email that you wanted to go to. Then All hit right. submit. You then would go to change your DNS settings to point to this, etc. But basically, you couldn't change anything anymore. Once you submitted it, it was over. So we're like, okay, well, I think we could like really do something here. Like yeah. There's a lot of opportunity to make it better. Also because you only put your domain and uh, redirection email, it meant you could only have what we call catch-all email addresses. Okay. Which means if I've read to Anatsas group or onto Anatsas group or Tim or Toby or whatever, it would only go to one redirection email. Mm-hmm. You couldn't create aliases that redirect to your inbox, someone else's inbox, etc. Mm-hmm. So this was a big opportunity as well. And we're like, okay, let's just reach out and let's see. And um, I think... Alexander Tereshkin, which was the, the owner of this, the founder, actually, mm-hmm. um, a dev, very technical. He started also to see and experience the problems of running this as a solopreneur or even like a solo dev. He just built it as a need for him to just do something quick and nice. Right. It was not monetizing it. So Infraca started to pile up and he was not seeing anything in return mm-hmm. i think he he had the idea that yeah maybe i could charge for it but how i'm not really good at this i'm more of a tech guy so when we reached out we were like okay well i think with you you've built something great but we have to do everything basically so um what we bought is the audience okay um 
he had a ton of articles already. So driving a ton of organic traffic was really well ranked in mm-hmm. SEO, etc. This is what we've bought. And acquisition price, I think it was around five or six thousand dollars. Okay. So not a ton of money. Right, still a tiny um, deal. And so for us it was a small bet. And I think for us, we tried to avoid what we've seen in the acquisition that we went through ourselves. So dragging time, trying kind of to trick the other people mm. uh, into reducing the price, really. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in general, just just try to be nice, mm-hmm. right? Like there's an easy transaction to be made. This is what's going on for you. This is what's going on for us. We, of course, need to have some safety around like, how do we exchange things that yeah. are really hard to exchange, like a domain name, for example, the code, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up anyway not using the code and just redoing everything from scratch. But yeah, exactly, like the domain name. This is right. what we need and to take over because this is how we, this is what we bought. Um, and so, I think, again, like trying to just be a nice citizen. Mm-hmm. And make it as seamless as possible for both parties. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely fun being in the in the buyer seat and trying to build the experience that we wanted. Yeah, I think the baseline. You're absolutely right, and it doesn't matter if it's five k or, or five. Yeah. Yeah, five million. Uh, the baseline is just like be transparent, be nice. Yeah. Uh, that's why we uh, we're kind of very serious with our like handshake agreement if you sign an LOI it probably means we're not going anywhere even if you well uh, you hit something we will like 99% uh, chance we will work around it we will find a solution for it um, just because it has to be very transparent from the very beginning right and if we like each other let's get there so yeah fun okay uh, so you acquired this company. Uh, and the I think the most important question is, of course, monetization, because it wasn't monetized. How did you know? How do you find, um, you know, the ways to monetize it? Uh, how, uh, how did you find the best pricing? Because I know that there is still a free version, there is premium and business, I want to yeah, say. That's right. Yeah. So Actually. how did you get to this? Yeah, so we are not the best A-B testers and stuff. I don't really believe in it. Okay. Uh, I think also come from this whole Basecamp philosophy of building mm-hmm. products, which is like, does it matter to A-B test the color of a button when you have 50 people coming mm-hmm. on your landing page? Probably not, right? Like you have to have bigger swings. Yeah. Um, and so what we thought was like, I think if we bring a bit of induced friction on the free plan, but not too much, mm-hmm. you don't want to like make it... So much friction that the free plan is useless and then people are not like doing that step to sign up. Um, then the idea is that they would pay for a premium offering. So one thing we've we we've done in the beginning was to reduce the number of domain names you can mm-hmm. add on your account to. I believe it was something like 30 domains. Before it was unlimited, mind you, but like and I was like, okay, let's just put a limit to 30 domain. If anyone want more then uh, they will likely pay for, for right. it. Same for the number of aliases, etc. Just to give you an idea, now we've reduced this number to one domain per account. Yeah. 
and I believe it's something like 10 aliases. And so we still believe that the free plan offers you enough to do just the thing that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, if you start adding a second domain, a third domain, etc., um, it's fine if you just pay us $9 a month, like, yeah. right? It's 90 bucks a year. It's just not that much for email. It's just, just a commodity that it's hard to charge more. Yeah. People expect email to be free or anything related to email, right? Absolutely. Um, but uh, yes, that was our our general idea. And then we've add, uh, added some some extra features like webhook support for, for premium, SMTP sending. So mm-hmm. it means you can also send emails from your aliases yeah. um, with the premium plan. Um, regular expression matching, regex. So it means like you but can do with things. With the free one, you got to Google SMTP. Exactly. Out, so. so this is a bit... You can still work around it. Exactly. You can still work around it. There are some caveats. It's a bit of an undocumented thing mm-hmm. from Google. So like they could kind of take it away tomorrow. Okay. Uh, a bit hacky. So we just put a disclaimer over there, but we are not trying to discourage you. Actually, we have a guide on our page that mm-hmm. explains you how to set that up. Yeah. Um, and so the idea is like, yeah, sure, use the free plan. Actually, if you want to use Gmail SMTP, it's totally fine by us. We don't, it doesn't cost us anything, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to use RSMTP, it provides um, a bit of a like bigger limit, like you can send more. Uh, we have a retry strategy, so if it doesn't get delivered, it retries from many IP, etc. It's a bit better, mm-hmm. um, but some customers just require it um, because yeah. if you go in the business and enterprise plan, uh, think of MIT or Berkeley, for example, that have a thousand or ten thousand of alumni, they need this scale, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, it was not easy to monetize, and we are still making changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd say the main problem with us is that. People don't perceive a lot the value of email. Okay. And so it's hard to to explain this. We have a lot of um, in-product upsells are mm-hmm. the right thing. So one of the main things we sell with premium is that your emails are put in priority in the, mm-hmm. queue, in the queue compared to the normal crowd. Yeah. And so if you're kind of waiting for an email for 20 seconds or so and it's like irritating you, <laughs> Uh, you can just pay premium and it would right. come in two seconds. So a lot of those things. Although, you know what I would not want to do ethically is just to say, okay, free users, we delay their email for like five minutes. Yeah, sure. No, We don't want to do this. It just it just sucks. It feels mm-hmm. wrong. Um, we could though, and I'm sure we would like skyrocket the profit. But what happened in the long term is people would just start to say, this product sucks. Yeah. And then this whole freemium model of getting marketing for free is broken. And so I think you have to play the game if you go with this um, right. pricing structure. Right? Yeah, it has to be fair still, yeah. right? You, you don't have to um, hijack everyone else's uh, processes if you if you want to sell more, right? Yeah. There still should be value. Yeah. But um, okay. And I wanted to ask more about, um, you know, just bringing customers because as far as I know, there is over 100k users worldwide uh, for ImproveMX. How do you bring new customers? Because, I mean, I've looked around, uh, haven't found much, <laughs> like you're not advertising. Mm-hmm. How do you bring new users? What's your um, customer acquisition channel? Mm-hmm. We're not advertising. 
uh, we're not spending any budget there or anything. We're not doing any marketing in the sense of what is expected from marketing. Mm -hmm. But you could say like me being in that podcast could be marketing. Sure, absolutely. Though it's not because you're going to listen to this episode that you're like, oh, I need to like migrate my email forwarding strategy to improve (laughs) Mac. So it's really more on two things. SEO, we're really, Mm -hmm. really well ranked. And that's part of what we bought Mm -hmm. from um, the initial founder. Yeah. We've invested a lot in this. But mind you, not like an SEO guru of like, tracking everything and like trying to make the domain authority and like buying backlinks and stuff we were like hey let's just write good content yeah let's use all the best uh, on-site practices like uh, optimizing the load time and semantic html and like Mm -hmm. uh, optimizing things like the the page titles and all of this and like the structure of the content as well we have guides for every provider etc and so this helped us to really show up very high in search queries, mm-hmm. plus all the traffic that is brought to us for free from things like Alternative to Captera G2, mm-hmm. uh, Trustpilot, all of those sites where we have really stellar reviews from mm-hmm. that free plan. And people are like, oh, yeah, it's exactly what I needed. And also, very funny, but like YouTube videos, a lot okay. of people like, Productivity experts, business experts, whatever, they record free product demos for us, mm-hmm. basically. Like, yeah. hey, here's how you can do it. Just using ProMX, do this, do this, do this. And it's funny because, you know, shooting some kind of video like this for us would yeah. cost a ton of time, money, etc. But some people are doing it for free and with really good production value. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit, it's like always mind blowing to see. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really yeah bringing this. But honestly, the secret is the free plan. Hmm. Um, they would okay. not um, write about us or record those videos if there would not be the free plan, I think. Right. Oh, and or if it was just a bad product. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, there exactly. you go. But absolutely agree. Like um, with my previous company uh, it was a was a technical startup. So uh, we did the same. I, I think we used a bit of a more um guerrilla approach to like listings i Mm. think we listed the product on i don't know over a thousand like listing websites like 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 g2 or like all those um turned out like it worked right um i'm not sure how it's going now because like of course like you kind of just monitor everything if you're on a thousand websites somewhere you will lose the the comments and where people will be unhappy and you cannot catch it uh so it could bite you in the ass in the long run but um yeah i think it's still important to have it uh and for content creators yeah i mean right now especially even though there's so many new products everyone wants to yeah to do more content and just yeah get the reach uh okay and so after that i want to say properly fernand Uh, (laughs) Fernand. okay i'll i'll do my best (laughs) um uh came into the picture right Mm -hmm. again as far as i remember from your personal struggles with the support tickets um 
how did you decide to do it? And please, oh, please, because I know the story of the name. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but tell this again, because I think it's just so cute. <laughs> yeah, sure. So you you did a pretty good job. It's called <laughs> Fernand. Fernand, okay. And it was actually the name of my grandfather. He was a postman in the Alsace, this region of France in the east near the German border mm -hmm. and the Swiss border. It has a ton of vineyards and, and stuff. It's beautiful. He was a postman there and he was hiking like some like 10 kilometer up the mountain every day doing his round, delivering letters and going back down. Mm -hmm. um, and I always wanted to pay him a bit of an homage because I I knew him, but unfortunately only after he got like a, a stroke or something, he was just like basically sitting in his chair the whole day. You could see a few smiles sometime, but it's not like I've played soccer with him or mm -hmm. anything like this. Yeah, I thought this was really a great fit with Fernand, which is a customer messaging mm -hmm. platform because, you know, delivering messages, delivering yeah. letters, etc. And the second thing is that Cyril, my co-founder, is actually also my brother-in-law. Okay. So he married my sister. They have three kids. And I thought, this is kind of a unique thing with us too. It's it's a family business almost. Yeah. And so it'd be nice to bring this family angle somehow. So of course, it's my grandfather, not his. But there is still a connection with yeah. my sister, etc. And the third thing was that, uh, you know, Norbert was also a, a French name yeah. or the, the butler thing. So it was a nice kind of throwback to, to, to that area. And I like the idea of like having a little postman face mm -hmm. to embody those things. So yeah, that's the story behind the name. And like why we've launched this, you might ask like, yeah, you just don't have time. You have a full-time job <laughs> with two kids. You have uh, uh, already improved a mix. Yeah. Why launch something else, right? Right. And so the idea is that we we love ImproveMX, but we also reached a place where we've hired people. We have four employees now, two support mm -hmm. engineers, one site reliability engineer, basically making sure that it's always up and running and mm -hmm. emails are delivering really well. And we also recently hired a kind of CEO, like head of product. Okay. It's a transfuge from DigitalOcean, so he knows the hosting world and um, yeah, all of this space really, really well. And the idea is that this person is now driving the strategy, kind of still overseen by, by us too, but like uh, for us. Why? It's because we are builders. We are really builders. We love to build stuff. And with Improving Mix in the last years, we started to become operators. Yeah. And, you know, it's fun for a while. And there is this thrill of, oh, we got to the next milestone of MRR and whatever. And it's nice. But you start dealing with hiring mm -hmm. and legal and security and yeah, even marketing. And that yeah. that's not that fun, like putting those processes down for us. We're just like, okay, can we just work on the product again, <laughs> please? Um, and we always had this hitch with customer support because we believe that customer support should be not a cost center or not only a cost center, Mm -hmm. It should be something that's embedded in the product. So we've done customer support ourselves here in Knife for like the last 15 years, basically, where we answer customer requests and try to do it extremely well and yeah. timely, etc. Of course, with a freemium product that has 100,000 users, mm -hmm. we have a ton of support requests. I would say 
outside by our standards, which mean maybe 20, 30 per day. Okay. And they might be a bit difficult. So you have to like uh, do a bit of forensics on why mm-hmm. an email hasn't delivered the right way, etc. And like with email, this is one of the hardest thing in the world um, because it just breaks at many different layers. It's mm-hmm. a very old protocol. It's just like kind of mind blow, mind boggling that we are still using this now, <laughs> but we are. And um, anyway, there are a, a ton of challenges. That's why we have to support engineers to help us with this. But we are always thinking of like doing support is the best way to learn about your product. Sure. Pitfalls, like it's like running a user research continuously. Um, and you also hear firsthand that feedback in context. So like that person or your customer experience that pain right now. Mm-hmm. They have all this emotion around it, etc. Yeah. Um, which is why AI is definitely going to change this space in the future or, or has already. That was cannot, my question. <laughs> right. But it cannot solve the last 20% of yeah. this human approach, this context of like, what is that person not only writing, but feeling and like all that is inferred and et cetera. So it's doing a great job at like helping you reset your password yeah. or answering a question that you would have in your knowledge base already, et cetera. But I would still say it's a tool for people, for humans to go faster at it. Yeah. They should still be a human that's like um, doing Yeah, that's this, supporting, right? yeah, on the next level. Exactly. And so that's what we've done with, with Fernand. We took this approach of trying to build the most modern tool ever. So if you think about the linear, the super base, the versal, the superhuman that's mm-hmm. a bit closer to, to email, how can we build that ultimate experience for the end user, for mm-hmm. the people that are actually spending eight hours a day responding to customers and not the people that are buying the software. So if you look at our competitor uh, landing pages, you would see that it's really all around um, metrics and like uh, trying to improve customer satisfaction score and stuff. It's like who is addressed through those landing page Mm -hmm. is the director of CX or it's like operation manager or whatever. But those people are not the one that spend time on the floor, right? Yeah. Like they don't care if uh, pasting a link in the editor, like auto format it very well. Or like if you can code, um, paste code blocks uh, mm-hmm. when you um, are responding to customers that need a more technical thing. Like all of those quality of life improvements is really what we've uh, doubled down on. We've become mm-hmm. like super op- um, opinionated about all of this, what we want to build and what we don't want to build and try to build that most minimal yet powerful interface ever for that thing and do it really, really, really well. And the last thing is we try to build it in a way that it's calm because yeah. me as a founder doing support for ImproMX, we were using Intercom and Intercom is a really great tool. It's really, really good. I think it's really one of the best tools that you can have. But at some mm-hmm. point, it started to feel a bit like, oh, I had problems typing app.intercom.io or something in my browser bar because I felt like every letter brought me closer to seeing that pain from customers, those angry customers. It's like, okay, I'm going to spend an hour now 
in a world of pain. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just so hard. Like my fingers uh, felt like, no, I just want to procrastinate away from this. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens with your brain. So with Fernand, we took this approach to say, we're using every psychological lever we can to make that as calm, relaxed, focused as possible. So we are taking you by the hand when you log in and we say, hey, Anna, this is how your support queue looks like right now, which mm-hmm. is about the same as usual. Mm-hmm. Or, oh God, like it's really bad or it's much better than usual. So we're able to tell you like basically what you would do if you ask a colleague that works on support. Like, mm-hmm. Hi, how, how's support right now? Okay. So we're trying to answer this. And then we take you by the hand and say, okay, now onto the next most urgent request. Mm-hmm. We do a sort, sorting for you. And then we show you that next request front and center. There is no like five or six column layout. You just see what you need to see right now, which is like the conversation with that person and a sidebar with context data, like what kind of payment plan they are on with Stripe, uh, what kind of other yeah contextual data that you you need to have from them. But see one thing at a time and not like be distracted by too many things. You see a progress bar Mm -hmm. when you complete an action, either assign it snooze it or close it, you go uh, toward, I don't know if you had um, three three conversations open on your like to-do list on mm-hmm. the inbox, you'd go to 33%, yeah. and then the next city is 66, and then um, to 100%. Okay. And once you reach 100%, the next thing you see is a very nice like uh, inbox zero zen image of animals <laughs> or mountains or something from Unsplash. It looks uh, really nice. I've curated 366 for those several years images, trying to match them sometimes with funny stuff that happened around the world. Talk about focusing on details. I mean, that's great. No, I mean, well, you're a great designer. So, you know, I would I would not assume otherwise. So uh, but I think it's an incredible um, focus on the end user because absolutely there with you a lot of. Um, a lot of messaging on a lot of websites goes to the buyer of the product, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. Not really the person that's going to use it. And that would make it a completely different story, right? It would be a completely different problem for them. So kudos for that. <laughs> and also about AI. I was talking to um, Bob Tichemann. Uh, from right, Chris, but yeah. yeah, kind of, kind of a competitor. I don't know. Yeah, sure. In a way, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we were talking about AI and how it's changing everything. Also, very, very opinionated on the. But mm-hmm. uh, I guess uh, you're very similar in that way because he also talks about, uh, yeah, sure, AI maybe, uh, but only for like dumb. Let's call them that. Uh, let me Google it for you kind of questions, mm-hmm. right? So something that's already there is something that you can easily find in the search on the website. That, yes. But when you have to dig deeper, I mean, there's nothing better than a person yet. Yeah. I've seen that they are doubling down on this. So they are building their own AI or yeah. at least they are training this. So, um, yeah, it's great to see them. and. One thing on competition, because I think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I love that they're bootstrapped. They are doing their own thing. They are in an order of magnitude uh, way higher than uh, or above that what Fernand is at right now. So it's just the two of us, basically. Mm -hmm. 
um, our employees are just focusing on improving mix, and we are not like pulling them, mm -hmm. putting resources okay. on on Fernand. I believe they are like 20-ish or maybe even yeah, more I think at, so, yeah. at this moment. Um, I think for a niche like this, could you even call it a niche, right? Like it's a market, basically almost every company in the world needs a shared inbox, mm -hmm. a knowledge base, a live chat, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so this is like opening a restaurant. You like, I can look at the window right now. There is a restaurant here, another in front. Yeah. Is it bad? Like, I, I think they just offer different things. This one offers tapas. The other is a bit more like German food. Yeah. People are going to those restaurants for different reasons at different Absolutely. times. And I think I'm seeing Fernand a bit like this. So like, we're not trying to compete with the intercom and the Zendesks of the world. Mm -hmm. we, we shouldn't, like that would be... It would be a pretty stupid from us. We're trying to first build it for us and we're using it for our products and we are, we're really happy with what it uh, transformed mm -hmm. and thinking a lot of other people have this exact same need um, and those are the ones that uh, we'd want to, um, to, to attract. But we are not going to like suddenly move our focus from SaaS to like e-commerce by let's say, oh, it's just about building a Shopify plugin. No, because this is not the motto of it like mm -hmm. you really want to do this one thing right especially since you know we've started the podcast with hey you don't have so much time and you're slower and yeah. stuff well if we're slower we have to focus on the 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 main thing and keep this minimalism aspect of yeah. the tools as a mode we cannot compete on this feature race because we will always be behind basically but we can compete on this quality of software. Like every feature, every pixel we put in there mm -hmm. has a meaning and is meant for something. So I think that's a nice way to look yeah. at it. Oh, yeah. And about the design, I mean, I, I've been to to both websites, really loved uh, loved it. it. It really, and it, then I went to a transfer slot and it was like, okay, <laughs> so that's also Anton. Like you can see it. it's very prominent, your design. Um, but okay, just a couple more questions. Um, I, I have a ton more, but we will talk again tomorrow at Code Talks. Yeah. And then you have uh, your own talk as well. Uh, we'll discuss bootstrapping and uh, you will talk more about the whole having more time and delegating and prioritizing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, this will be also on YouTube. I will definitely share it. Um, but yeah, a couple more questions that are usual for okay. for this uh, setting. Uh, first, could you could you share a hack that works for you in both companies that you're building? Can be anything. Uh, can be something very uh, straightforward about pricing, like why you keep it that low and why you intend to not test too mm -hmm. much mm -hmm. uh, or I don't know maybe the way you hire mm -hmm. anything that may be not as conventional but yeah. is good for you I think could think of a few but like the main thing that comes to mind comes uh, around hiring mm -hmm. we had a ton of issues right like we had 25k MRR how do you attract uh, let's say an SRE so site reliability engineer um, that is really good. Mm -hmm. That can have autonomy in like, um, because we are synchronous remote, we need someone that's kind of senior or really senior actually. Um, and a lot of the people we've attracted were like, 
oh, you know, I'm working at this company, prominent company. My compensation is like three, four hundred k a year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not gonna be possible. Sorry. Right. And so we try not to waste people's time and be really upfront about this, like what we can offer and what we can um, pay. And I, I really like to believe we provide really generous compensation packages mm-hmm. because that's. I feel very fair and that should never be in the question frame. Like yeah. people should never feel like oh, they're kind of cheating or like this, this, they're kind of lowballing me all the time. Yeah. Like, I feel like if you pay people 20% more than their happy salary, this is out of the question and like yeah. you, you anyway. And so one thing that I found as a cool hack is to offer different things that mm-hmm. you, that are non-monetary, like, great benefits around flexibility. So every of our employees on a four-day work week as well. Okay. So practice what you preach, right? They're on a four-day work week. They work remote and asynchronously. So they are basically spread between the US, the UK, um, Pakistan, and Malaysia. Okay. So it's like a, a wide lot of it, array. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's asynchronous. So it means, you know, we have this workspace mm-hmm. and we discuss and like if someone reply on their work, uh, time zone three hours later it's fine again it's okay to be a bit slower as long as there is consensus and so yeah offering this four-day work week was really key in getting those talents because uh, for example our head of product it was working at a more established company mm-hmm. and like oh he was looking for that flexibility i want right. this flexibility my work is so narrow maybe there was something like return to office kind of thing and we were able to to say well look with us you'll have this and so that's how we were able to attract this talent Mm -hmm. um, versus trying to compete with fang kind of uh, companies on like total compensation packages yeah this is insane we'll just never get this um so i think that's a a nice bit of a of a hike i learned we also used oh I'll say this wrong, but I think it's fourdayweek.io or something like this. It's a job board. Okay. Where people are actively looking for four-day work week mm-hmm. uh, jobs. Mm-hmm. And um, it it got us a ton of uh, like referrals. Uh, yeah. Of nice, motivated people. So pretty okay. nice. All right. Well, yeah, uh, I could totally see how it, how it would work. At the SaaS Group, we also offer that. Uh, it's up to you. You can do five five day, four four day, really, uh, whatever you choose. Remote, of course. I'm now, well, now I'm in Hamburg, but <laughs> next week I'm going to be uh, back in Vietnam, and <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And um, it's, I mean, flexibility is the best, honestly, especially like right now. Um, okay, and the last one is. Again, the same. Everyone gets it. What's so far the biggest win, the biggest failure? Could be for any company that you have mm-hmm. or for you as a founder. How do you feel it? So biggest win, I I have to, it's probably the exit from Norbert because it put us in a completely different realm. You know, suddenly we had money right. and we could do a bit of this finance optimization like, hey, we can allocate this amount of money for this. This is for our salaries. Like, wow, that's cool. (laughs) And, you know, when you're bootstrapping with just like ramen profitability, those questions don't ask themselves. You're always grinding, like always trying to survive. And suddenly having a lot of money 
at your disposal mm-hmm. just changed the whole world for us. We were able to be much more calm. So, yeah, it, it was really instrumental. And I think what was really cool and what I um, also label it as a win is we've created this. Remember, like the initial story, like, yeah, I'll do this in two hours. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like from scratch, from zero, just from a, a silly little ID mm-hmm. of a tool. And suddenly we grow it into something. We have like customers, they are paying us and they are paying us like uh, sometime like big amounts because you could buy prepaid credits and stuff yeah. like for a thousand bucks. And like, wow, we've created something <laughs> from thin air. That's really, really cool. So as a builder, that's like super exciting, exciting, yeah. motivating. So that that was a big win. And failure, um, I'd say... I, I still think about those early products, you know, mm. a lot. And we have this joke with my co-founder that it would have worked. It would have really worked. <laughs> like, no, in hindsight, it's easy to say because yeah. we know more and we know what would have um, ticked and not. But it was just so stupid to keep it for ourselves and discourage ourselves like no one will want this. Mm-hmm. And so you've shared that Jason Fred is going to come on the pod um, later. And yeah. so one thing that really opened my eyes was reading Getting Real. I believe it's their mm-hmm. first book from Basecamp. They wrote basically a guide to, to bootstrapping or building a product. Yeah. And I remember reading this on the plane. I was going somewhere and I'm like, God, I don't need VC. I don't <laughs> need this. Like I felt like we would never be able to compete because yeah. we didn't have those things. I'm not from a fancy thing. My parents don't have money, etc. You know, like what mm-hmm. I it was like it suddenly gave me permission okay. that I could succeed with this kind of bootstrap attitude. Yeah. Because if they've done it, I could do it too. You could do, yeah. Yeah. And everything you would read in the book is like You know this like very common practice everybody tells you to do? Like, I don't know, you need a business plan? No, you don't need a business plan. No (laughs) one cares. Like, oh yeah, cool. Like that's how how we do it. So finally this this word really like permission to to do stuff. And that's why I I really love the this attitude. Uh, Yeah. Okay, I'll tell him today because like oh, the last <laughs> the last uh, the last episode we did also uh, one of actually uh, founders uh, of companies that we acquired at SaaS Group uh, wrote to me like, "Can you tell Jason that uh, getting real was one of the reasons we oh, built the company?" And I'm like, "Sure, of course." <laughs> and now there is you, <laughs> but yeah, about the business plan. Oh my god! Like when I first had to do it, like back at the university even. Uh, and like we we got reached out by like real companies. Can mm-hmm. you uh, can you make a business plan of us like uh, expand into a different country? Mm-hmm. I thought like why why would you and and they also required like forty pages I think at least. And I was like, what are you even going to put there? Like I can do like a little big font, yeah. but like otherwise it cannot really help you. Like that's why I. I completely botched my thesis before <laughs> for that reason but um yeah business plans completely agree like oh just do it um but yeah thank you thank you for telling me this story uh and all all the audience I, i'm sure everyone will enjoy it a ton more questions we will cover tomorrow and the day after tomorrow at mm-hmm. talks so yeah thank you for joining as well and yeah talk to you again sometime
Sure, we'd love to. Thanks, Anna. <laughs> All right, take care. Thank you. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders, and if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS Group, a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.